0: Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. To quote the great Scott White right before we started, this is a lot all at once. He's not kidding. Welcome into another emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. This time on Monday, November 29th, Frank Stanfield joined by the aforementioned Scott White with a few more massive signings in real-life baseball. And we'll talk about what it means for fantasy baseball, obviously. And let's start with... Corey Seager's got the Texas Rangers are just dishing out money right now, over 500 million dollars in guaranteed contracts, uh and we're only yeah a couple of days in. It feels like we're a couple of days in. Corey Seager to the Rangers, 10 year, 325 million dollar deal, 147 games for Corey Seager since the start of 2020, so nearly a full season's worth of work, 306 batting average. 31 homers, a 926 OPS. That is a pretty damn good player. You know what you're going to get? Strong batting average, makes a ton of contact. Modest power, I would say. Uh, But even with Marcus Semien and prospects on the way in Josh Young and Sam Huff, you're talking about a fairly significant downgrade uh, in terms of lineup for Corey Seager and a slight downgrade in terms of park for left-handed power as well. So how are you handling this signing of Corey Seager?
1: That's a lot you just gave me right there, Frank. <laughs> it's a lot you just gave me. So um, yeah. Uh the Rangers are throwing a lot of money around this offseason. It kind of makes you wonder why they traded Joey Gallo last year. You think they're they're okay, they're going through this methodical rebuild. They're not gonna they're not gonna have much use for Joey Gallo at the end of it. Um yeah. You know, it it seems like they'd be in a better spot to contend if they still had him. It makes you wonder. You know, what if they still had Lance Lynn? Of course, he needed to sign an extension with the White Sox after that trade to to stick with them. But was, was that a possibility for the Rangers? I don't know. They seem a little confused. And maybe they're thinking Corey Seeger and, um, well, not not really Marcus Simeon. Maybe they're thinking more uh, two or three years from now, they'll be ready to contend and, and obviously still have those guys under contract. So it's a little confusing what the Rangers are trying to do. Let's start with that. Corey Seeger. We think Corey Seager's amazing, right? The people who invested in him last year might quibble at that. They, they might feel like they got burned a bit by Corey Seager. They, they might look at that 2020 season and, and when, he, when he put up MVP caliber numbers and, and think it's kind of an outlier. I guess kind of it is. But if you look at his expected stats last year... Uh, Corey Seager's 295 batting average. That's 96th percentile. 530 slug, that's 90th percentile. You 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 said modest power for Corey Seager, Frank. I, I would dispute that. I do think he has the potential to hit 35-plus homers. Uh, he impacts the ball hard. He makes a lot of contact, like you said. He doesn't put it on the ground that much. A lot of line drives, which, of course, is good for batting average. Just a really strong... Hitter like an elite hitter profile for Corey Seager. That's you know it's it's obviously been um, nerfed by injuries last year, and of course uh, the Tommy John surgery and 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 a couple of years before that. But the best is yet to come for him, and I I still think that's the case. Even going to the Rangers, yes, it's it's a it appears to be a more pitcher friendly park than Dodger Stadium. We don't have a ton of data on that yet because it hasn't been open that long. Uh, And yes, it's in the pitcher friendliest division in baseball. So the same, those same factors apply to Corey Seager that applied to Marcus Simeon when we did the breakdown for him a couple days ago. But I I do think Corey Seager's skill set is more, like he's more equipped to withstand that the effects of, of moving to Texas. I would have rather seen him back with the Dodgers, don't get me wrong. This might be enough for me to drop Seager behind like Xander Bogarts in my rankings just because we have a clear idea what to expect from Bogarts, but I still think Corey Seager's ceiling is higher and I still think he deserves to be drafted like an elite shortstop, all of that. Um, Not the best destination for him, but I don't think kind of kind of like we were saying for Kevin Gosman. I would have liked to see him go somewhere else, but I don't think this really is a major concern when you're evaluating him for fantasy purposes.
0: I would definitely push back on the 35 plus home runs when it comes to Corey Seager. The only year that we've really seen him be on a pace like that was 2020 and of course that was a shortened season, he only played 52 of the sixty games then, and he also had an outlier two seventy eight isolated power. So, well, every- even last
1: year he had sixteen home runs in ninety five games, and that was
0: that's a twenty five homer pace over one. That was
1: when he like didn't appear healthy. Yeah. Come, fresh off, fresh off the injury. I mean, he had a monstrous September. He had nine home runs in September. Uh, yeah, I I still think the best is you have to come for Corey Seeger, and I I think his power ceiling is considerable.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you believe that, then yeah, then maybe he can get to 35 home runs. I mean, he's had he's dealt with a bunch of injuries. Uh, he's only played 56% of his games since the start of 2018 for myriad reasons. Uh, so there's a lot that he's had to deal with in the past. I would argue maybe he's better for points leagues at this point, Scott. I mean, we know he's not going to give us any speed, but makes a lot of contact, walks a decent amount, just averaged 3.3 fantasy points per game. That was tied for fifth at the shortstop position. Uh, so I, what, what do you think there? Better for points leagues at this point for Corey Seager? Um,
1: I mean, you could make the argument that anybody who isn't really a base dealer is better in points leagues. I, yeah. I don't know that he'll be drafted earlier among shortstops in points leagues. And, and for what it's worth, I do think Marcus Simeon still going to get drafted ahead of Corey Seager. Uh, in, in part because he impacts the stolen base category, in part because he's also eligible at second base. I, I do think that's still going to happen, but um, expectations prior to the signing versus after the signing, I think they deserve to change more for Marcus Simeon.
0: All right, I think that's fair. I was quickly pulling up Corey Seager's StatCast page to see what his sprint speed is. Yeah, I talked about how maybe Simeon runs a little bit more at the Rangers. They are aggressive on the base paths. Seager's not going to run. I mean, maybe he gives you a handful of steals, but not not anything crazy in terms of uh, that category. The early ADP for Corey Seager, 67.8. So we're talking about 12-team leagues. That's a mid-sixth-round pick. He's going just behind Francisco Lindor, just ahead of Javier Baez, which... See, sometimes I feel like <laughs> as
1: NFBC ADP, like, it's just... I feel like a Corey Seager gets downgraded there because obviously you're trying to beat a hundred teams as opposed to just ten. Yeah, so you need those stolen bases from your early round picks. So like, I don't know. That just seems ridiculous to take Corey Seager after Francisco Lindor, at least for the for our typical audience.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the only ADP that we have as of now, so yeah. it's just a reference point at this at this point. Um, but yeah, look, we've kind of referenced him being a Freddie Freeman type bat, like maybe that's his ultimate upside. That's the player he looked like in Mm -hmm. in the shortened 2020 season. And Freddie Freeman's a you know, early second round pick more often than not. So if you yep. think that we have not seen the best of Corey Seager like Scott does, then you should be wanting to draft him at this cost. And, you know, maybe he can reach that, that ultimate and, ceiling and, once again.
1: And clearly the Rangers think that they just gave him thirty three hundred twenty five million $325 million.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's just talk about the contract for a second. Like I understand this is the going rate for elite players. He's 27 years old. He's, you know, turns 28 in, in April, but like, I I would not want my team to sign any player for 10 years let alone a shortstop who is probably going to have to move off the position in the next I don't know 3 to 4 years something like that so uh, that's just yeah, maybe. from a pure um, baseball perspective it's doesn't seem yeah, like a great idea yeah and the
1: people want oh what's what's Carlos Correa going to get paid now and of course we like Seager more than Correa in fantasy but y- you know Correa is considered like an elite defender as well yeah um but you know part of part of Why Seager got what he got and why Marcus Simeon got what they got, I I think, are because they went to the Rangers. And that's what it took to coax them, for the Rangers to coax talent on their team. Because they they don't have much else going for them. Even after shelling out over $500 million the past two days, the Rangers don't look like a playoff contender. No,
0: no, they do not. I mean, that lineup (laughs) is still pretty bad. Again, they're getting better. They have some names that are coming up. I mean, the pitching staff is still abysmal. They do have some pitching prospects that are coming uh, within the next couple of years. But you're right, like... Maybe in two years from now, they're ready to compete. And at that point, Marcus Semyon will be, I, don't know, I think, 32 or 33 years old. So Yeah,
1: 33, uh, further 34, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's kind of head-scratching what's going on there. Look, if they want Joey Gallo back, more than happy to give him back from from the New York Yankees <laughs> perspective. Uh, what does this mean from the Dodgers' perspective, Scott? Uh, Trey Turner looks like he will be back to shortstop now. Maybe we finally see Gavin Loc- uh, Gavin Lux fully unleashed. What do you think in there with the Dodgers?
1: Yeah, presumably. I mean, I'm. I was surprised. I was getting some pushback on Twitter for this, but I was surprised to see this happen with Seager. I, you know, I I kind of feel like the Dodgers, maybe the one organization, maybe also put the Yankees in there, but the Dodgers, especially the one organization that can pretty much do whatever they want, <laughs> like they have those kinds of resources. Yeah. Um. So I and why would you let Seager go? Uh. So you know. I don't know, maybe this puts them in play for Carlos Correa, Trevor Story. I, I don't know. Obviously, they got Trey Turner as a fail-safe in case Seager did go, and he's perfectly capable of playing shortstop. He wants to play shortstop. Does this open up a spot for Gavin Lux? I mean, it does seem like they were motivated to get Lux in the lineup down the stretch last year to the point they were playing him in center field,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though it looked like he didn't belong there. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe they're ready to turn over the job to him. I don't know that I'm particularly eager to draft gavin lux in fantasy because though he uh came back in mid-august uh mostly september uh when he played actually um you know so the month of september let's just start from there he hit 360 with a 967 ops did gavin lux obviously those are good numbers
0: yeah but it's only 17 games.
1: So. Four extra base hits in those 17 games. A lot of singles for Gavin Lux. And like unless you're just like this amazing contact hitter, I- I'm not willing to put all my eggs in the batting average basket. You know, that is mm-hmm. that's going to be something to sustain you. And even if even if that's what you are, you're David Fletcher. You're Nick Madrigal, right? You're not a major contributor in fantasy, even if you are that extreme contact guy who you can bank on a 300 batting average consistently.
0: And it still remains to be seen if Gavin Lux can handle himself against left-handed pitching, something he has not been able to do to this point in his career. So, you know, if that's who he is, then, you know, a contact plus batting average contributor who maybe doesn't play against lefties. It's not that exciting, but, Once upon a time, he was a top prospect who had plenty of power and speed potential uh, back in his days in the minors. Let's continue in the American League West. Your reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray, and his tight pants are headed to the Mariners on a five-year, $115 million deal. $5 million more than what Kevin Gosman got from the Blue Jays. I guarantee you that was by design. Uh, 2.84 ERA, 104 whip, 248 strikeouts. Over 193 and a third innings pitched for Robbie Ray this past season. And Scott, finally, something to be pretty excited about here. I actually love the park upgrade. I love the division change, considering Robbie Ray has struggled with home runs in the past. Even a little bit last year down the stretch, struggled allowing home runs. Uh, but like Kevin Cosman, this just comes down to how much you trust in what you saw from Robbie Ray this past season. And Scott, how much do you trust that?
1: Yeah, I agree. That's mostly what it comes down to. Because let, let's break it down this way. Obviously, Robbie Ray, Toronto to Seattle—that's a venue upgrade. Seattle's one of the pitcher friendliest parks in baseball. Toronto's more hitter friendly, and also the division change. AL East to AL West. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Um, Gosman going to Toronto from San Francisco. You know, obviously that's a park downgrade. I, I, I still ultimately think it comes down to were the control gains f- that we saw from Robbie Ray legitimate because that that's what allowed him to access and maximize that um, that amazing bat-missing ability he's always shown was that he was actually in the strike zone enough to, to, to take advantage of it. He still allowed hard contact for the most part. He still put the ball in the air a ton, did Robbie Ray, he managed to succeed in Toronto in spite of that because that's how good he is at missing bats. So, going to Seattle, does it does it make for a softer landing if he just has this very this very slight regression? Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, you know, it, he's he's probably going to allow less fewer home runs in Seattle than he would have in Toronto in that scenario. But home runs are less the concern for him than than walks. Does he? continue to throw strikes. And if he does, um we could potentially see even better numbers in 2021 or 2022. Certainly this makes me feel more confident about drafting Robbie Ray as a top 10 starting pitcher, but I was already inclined to do that.
0: Yeah, look, it just comes down to like you said, him trusting his stuff. That's exactly what he did this year, throwing the ball in the zone he has and I would say elite fastball, a really good slider basically throws two pitches. The velocity on that fastball was up this past season. So uh, I remember Chris talked about this a lot, where uh, they told Robbie Ray, just aim for the middle of the zone. Just aim for the middle and throw your stuff as hard as you can. And and this was the result that we had. And obviously, uh, you know, gave us the career best control from Robbie Ray as well. His ADP right now is 44.5. Would you rather have Robbie Ray or Kevin Cosman? In fantasy? Yes.
1: <laughs> That's what all comes down to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Robbie Ray, but I was, before knowing where they landed, I would have said that too.
0: Okay, Robbie Ray is actually going two spots just behind Chris Sale. What do you think about that one? Robbie Ray versus Sale.
1: I'd rather have Ray. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think that one's a little bit closer. Let's just wrap up here. Uh, we spoke about Max Scherzer on one of our emergency podcasts yesterday. The deal is official now to the New York Mets. We have some numbers here. Three years, $130 million, with then opt out after the second year. Can't really imagine Max Scherzer is going to opt out of $43 million when he's turning 40 or 41 years old, but hey, you never know. Uh, Scott, look, if Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are healthy in the same rotation, that is just, that is insane, and that is fun. Uh, I don't really think Mm -hmm. this changes much for fantasy, but any last remarks on Max Scherzer? No,
1: I mean, no, not really. (laughs) I I think he would be the same whether he went to the Mets or the moon. You know, that's what I said before and that's what I'm sticking with is DeGrom healthy obviously based on early draft results uh, people are skeptical that he is otherwise he'd obviously be the top pitcher drafted so I don't know what that the Scherzer signing should make us more optimistic uh, in DeGrom's outlook necessarily but obviously that's a great one-two punch it's a great one-two punch uh, last year the Dodgers were going into the season with the uh, Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, and Trevor Bauer, and that didn't turn out so well. But <laughs> but on paper, it sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a rough go at it right now for the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? Losing Corey Seager, losing Max Scherzer. They still have a wealth of talent. There's no doubt about that. Wouldn't be surprised if they you know, jump back into the market here and try and... You know, figure some things out, whether it's at shortstop, bring in some pitchers, maybe bring in Clayton Kershaw back, uh, but they did not extend the qualifying offer to him, so we'll see what happens there with the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to wrap up. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. I don't think that we're going to have another emergency podcast uh, before our normal Tuesday podcast comes out, but uh, if not, we will see you then. Bye-bye.